Hi there, everybody, and welcome to the live Sunday night edition of the This Is Ibrooks podcast. Tonight, I'm joined by regular Ross. How are you doing, Ross? Yeah, I'm very good, Kyle. Thanks. Uh, Rangers won at the weekend. You're always going to be great, aren't you? So, yeah, very good. Thanks for having me. Oh, you just love talking about St. Johnson there. That's it. That's why I'm here. That's it. And uh, we've got debutant Ian. How are you doing today, Ian? Yeah, fine, mate. Um, as Ross says, after the last few months, anyone makes my weekend. So, all good. Yeah, no, that's it, exactly. And uh, I know I've just seen Teddy Bear's comment there. He says it feels like he's ready for war every single time <laughs> he hears this intro. Uh, I think I'm going to have to do something, maybe get in contact with Douglas Park and get that pumped through the tunnel before the before the players come out for every game. But uh, as always, uh, it's lots to talk about with Rangers, given that we had a game yesterday. Um, tonight's show, we'll discuss some of the highlights from the St. Johnson game at Ibrooks. Uh, discuss the penalty. There was a couple of VAR incidents there. I know. I know you touched on them yesterday, Ross. I'll be keen to see if you've you've changed your mind, having the, the benefit of hindsight. And some of those now. Um, a, a Glenn Kamara goal. Couldn't believe it. Uh, Hadji returned. Uh, we're going to focus on some individual performances. Um, another really really engaging press conference from uh, from Michael Beal. Uh, I think my thoughts maybe gave a wee too much away. We'll come to that towards the end. Um, See what Camaro's saying to it, what Todd Cantor is saying to it as well. Um, we'll see what's happening in the last day of the uh, transfer window as well. And we'll maybe touch a wee bit on the new ACDC Castor Clobber and uh, new Edmondson House, which didn't go into, but I had a wee glimpse of yesterday. But today, uh, everybody that watches it whenever I'm hosting, always like to do a wee on this day. I'll come straight to you with this, Ian. Um the uh, first birthday, uh, or it's a birthday that we're doing. Normally, we do look at um, you know a moment or whatever that happened, but there wasn't really much going on in this day, so <laughs> so we've picked we've picked birthdays. Um, and it's Peter Lovenkrantz's birthday, his forty third birthday today. He joined from and let me absolutely butcher this, Academisk Boulder Club. Uh, I don't even know. I think that's Denmark. They must be from. He joined from one point three million in two thousand. Played one hundred and eighty two. Games, 54 goals, two titles, two Scottish Cups, three League Cups uh, and some very, very memorable moments for Rangers. Ian, I think one of those moments may be in the podcast intro. But uh, yeah, if you'd just like to give us your, your thoughts in, on Peter Lovenkrantz, uh, his time at Rangers. Yeah, it's, it's that twist in the tail comment and it just still makes the back of the hairs on the back of neck stand up. Um, for me, he was probably the first player that I had is like my favourite, if that makes sense. Like, as you say, he joined in 2000, was there for like six, five and a half, six years. So I would I would have been seven going 13 between that point. So that's, I think, the time you pick a player, you get your team, you know who you love, kind of thing, get the names in the back of your shirt and stuff like that. Yeah. Um, and for me, he was just, he was the main man for a while. Um, I think it says a lot about Lovenkrantz that it feels like we love him, Birmingham fans love him, Newcastle fans love him. Um, Schalke fans love him. It, it yeah. says a lot when that amount of teams that you've played for love you. So uh, he was he was one of my my first first loves for Rangers. I'd say. Yeah, I know exactly what you mean. He's a, a really really good guy. Uh, you know, outside of football as well. And as you say, he's universally loved and. He didn't. He didn't have uh, score some 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 good goals for Rangers. I, I seem to remember whenever it was time for his contract run out, he seemed to have a very 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 good end of the end of the season when when that was time. But uh, yeah, fantastic servant. And uh, the next player, Ross, who was another birthday that we're celebrating today, um, goes to Der Hammer, who celebrates his fifty second birthday. 
joined in 1996 for 4 million from Hamburg, 229 games, scored 82 goals, three League Cup titles, three Scottish Cups, and two um uh sorry, two League Cup titles as well. So what was your thoughts on on, on George Alberts as, as a Rangers player? And he's he's another guy, another another foreigner that came in and just absolutely fell in love with everything Rangers. And I think uh, I think he's playing in that Legends match again. I know he played in the last one. I'm assuming he'll be playing in this one. But yeah, what was your thoughts on, on uh, Alberts' time at Rangers? I think very similar to you in this one, actually, that at, at that age, I, I think I was, I must have been two or three when Alberts joined. So growing up with, with my dad watching games, he was always someone that my dad had a lot of fondness for, probably because of those performances that we've seen in the old firm and the goals he scored. The, the goal return that you've, told me their 82 goals is phenomenal, really, for the position that George Alberts played. Um, And I know he didn't really play much in the last couple of years. He was there under Dick Advocat. So, yeah, I mean, fond memories of George Alberts. I think I've told this story in the podcast before. I think he he came to my primary school when when I was really young. And it's it's that kind of surreal moment of realising that, you know, these players that you idolise are actually real. Do you know what what I mean? see them in the TV at that age you don't really have a, a real understanding of it so yeah very much the same as Ian yeah the, the first kind of player I, I really fell in love with and it, it's always that goal that he scored at Parkhead where he he dummies it and he smashes it into the top yeah. corner and the celebration where he runs around the back of the goal was just phenomenal even to watch that back now I've seen that on Twitter today it's just yeah it's so good to watch because you could tell he, he got it you know, he, he really understood what a goal in that fixture meant. So, yeah, only good things to say about George Alberts, and I'm sure most people would agree with me on that. He was a great player for Rangers. Yeah, fantastic player, and and yeah, involved in so many memorable games and 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 uh, memorable incidents uh, for, for Rangers. And yeah, good to see him again. Uh, and that uh, right, you know, come to you first. Let's just jump straight into the game yesterday. Um, I just want to touch a wee tiny bit in the lineup because I, when we were going in, a lot of people around the about us were discussing it. Uh, I think a lot of people were very, very, very surprised um, to uh, see Cantwell starting the game. Um, what's your thoughts on this? And do you think it's was a bit harsh in Sakala, or do you think that Beal sort of backed himself into a wee bit of a corner here by saying several times that he's only bringing starters in? <laughs> I don't think it's so much Bill's comments that have affected it. I think it's more who else are you going to take out of that front for? Because Kent has probably been our best player the last well, since Bill came in anyway. He's been right up there. If it's yeah. not him, it's Tillman. So they two are pretty much nailed on to start. And then Sakala up front doesn't seem to do it for me. Any, I don't think he's a number nine. He's not quite I don't mean not smart enough. That's probably harsh, but he's not got that like that hold up play about him, stuff like that. So that's where Morelos is going to play. So it's then a bit of a shootout between Cantwell and Sakala. I, I'm sort of still in Ross's point from yesterday's uh, <laughs> post-match pod, but we've got Tynecastle midweek. That, to me, is more a Sakala game, whether we're going to not play counter-attacking, because I don't think we have ever played that domestically, but you, you want to be able to break with pace. If you get Sakala one side, Kent on the other, to me that just makes a bit more sense than having maybe Tillman and Cantwell, who are a bit more possession-based. So I think it's more half an eye to midweek and as you say he wants Catwell starting games so it made sense to me. Yeah, I think that's fair enough. I think I think that I just think it was everybody was surprised that, that Cantwell actually started, given that I think the was it November or something like that? It was his was his last game of, of, of yep. professional football. So it is a long time to be out. But yeah, if you're bringing in a guy like that for 
for the for the alleged fee that we've brought in. Um, he's he's got to be playing. He's got to be starting. And yeah, I was in the end. I was quite glad to to see him starting. We'll also come to you on the in the sort of first um, major incident. I had to watch this back quite quite a few times <laughs> because I wasn't actually sure who crossed the ball in from the right. But I, I think it was Barisic. Um, just had a big sort of looping ball. Um, it sort of comes out off the back of Connor Goldson and hits the St. Johnson player's outstretched arm. Now that you've had a chance to to, to see it back, um, do you think this was a penalty? And I'm not, and this is a thing I think that we should be really careful of of, of how we say this. I'm not asking, do you think it should have been a penalty and, and to interpret the, the laws and, and should the laws be changed? But given the laws that we've have on, you know, for the SFA at the moment, was this a penalty? Well, I think you may be referring to to one of the sports scene pundits. I, I won't I won't name him, but I, I did <laughs> I did watch sports scene this morning to get a wee look back at all these incidents yesterday. It is born out of swings the ball, and I believe I feel sorry for the defender because it does ricochet off Golden, and it's difficult to react at the time. But I think if you have your arm or your hand in that position and it's outstretched from your body and it, and it looks like it's kind of above his head, if the ball hits it, it it's got to be a penalty, unfortunately. I know the the handball rule at the moment is very inconsistent and a lot of people don't have a real understanding of what the rule is. But for me, I always think of like, is it, is it a natural position? I don't, I don't think having your arm up like that is a natural position, unfortunately. So... Mm. I feel sorry for the defender there. Um, I'm trying to look at it. If, it. if it was given against Goldson or Ben Davies, I would probably feel frustrated by it. But I can understand um, why that is a penalty. I'm not going to come on and, and claim the rule is invalid and should be changed. There's enough people doing that out there. But the current rule, I think, is a penalty. Yeah. Yeah, I, t- I totally agree with you on that one. It's Curry Munchers pretty much summed it up for me here. Um, I would be raging, absolutely fuming if that was given against Rangers. I seem to remember a, 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 an incident in the is it the Union San Gioia game where they were awarded a penalty where they, where they defeated us 2-0 away over in, in Belgium. I, I didn't think that was a penalty, but I think with the letter of the law, it, it was. It was it was really, really hard um, done by. Um, Ross, I'm going to stick with you on this next point um, as well, because I know you gave a, a wee opinion on it yesterday, and it's the Nicky Clark red card incident around 33 minutes. Uh, a loose ball uh, is played up from the one of the centre-halves for St. Johnson. A wee bit loose. I think Ben Davies is, is sort of leaning into the back of Nicky Clark. The ball pops out, and, and him and Ryan Jack challenge for it. Um I'll just give my perspective of this. Uh, like, and, and I'll tell you, oh, you know, I sat in the club deck and, and Craig will attest to this as well. Straight away, I said, I think that's a red card because just Jack's reaction and, and how high Clark looked. I think Beals confirmed in the post-match that he did have a bit of a, a gash in his shin. But yeah, what do you think? Do you think this was, was a red card or, or, or not a red card given, given what you thought about it yesterday? I think now that I've watched it back, I don't think it's as blatant a red card that I did at the time. Um, I have to say I'm the same as you, the kind of angle I had from the club deck, it didn't look great. Mm. But unfortunately, the angle I have, it's it's behind Nicky Clark, so you don't really know of the contact. Once I've watched that back this morning, listen, I think he's a wee bit unlucky. I think he's stretching. Um, he probably is out of control, and that's probably why the red card's given, but... I don't think the contact is as brutal as I thought it was, but I think on the balance it is probably a red card, but it's definitely not as blatant as I thought it was yesterday once I'd seen it. 
again, fellow units all for Nicky Clack because I don't think he's going in with the intention there at all. I think he's just stretching. I think Michael Beale actually said that in the press conference that he didn't feel there was any malice in it from Nicky Clack. It's just yeah. he's took a bit of a bad touch. He's trying to stretch. And it was definitely a sore one for Ryan Jack because I think he gets caught a wee bit by the stud, but then he ends up hitting his shin and things. So it's definitely, I don't think he was over-exaggerating uh, the incident at all. But I, I thought the whole the whole situation around that yesterday with VAR was a bit strange, that one, because there was no decision for about a minute. Nothing came up on the screen at that point. And then Willie Collum flashes the red card. So it was that was a bit strange for me because I thought, where has he got that from? Uh, and I, I might be, someone can maybe correct me here. I don't believe he looked at the monitor for this one at all. So I don't really know what's happened for that. He must have get given word in his ear that it was a clear red card. He must have just been told that by the VAR officials. I don't know who they were yesterday, but I thought that was a bit of a strange one uh, that he didn't go and interpret that himself. But ultimately, I think at the end of the day, it probably is a red card. He's just he's just a wee bit too out of control, I think, Nicky Clark. Yeah, totally agree with you there. I think I think it was harsh, but 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 by the letter of the law, it's, it's as you said, he, he's no control over what he's doing. It's just that he's caught him way high up. Um, Ian, I'm going to ask you the exact same question. Red card or not a red card? Not for me, personally. Um, I've, I've seen many replays of it. I've watched sports scene as, as we all did there. I don't see how it's an obvious red card from any angle that I'm seeing. It's very maybe clumsy, you could say. It's, it's maybe dangerous, but like I say, I don't I don't think Clark means it. I don't think there's a major bad tackle in that. It, it just seems like a sort of knee to knee or knee to shin scenario. But we've had a fair share of ones like that go against us, so we'll take them, I guess. Yeah, that that's it exactly. Um, and and I'll stick with you on the next point. Um, it's the it's another VAR incident on, on thirty seven <laughs> minutes, um, where Ryan Jack slides into again another loose pass. Uh, and he catches the St. Johnson player. Um, the St. Johnson players absolutely swarm uh, Willie Collum, and he brandishes a yellow. And and I can honestly say this is the first time in, in all the football that I've ever, ever watched in my life. I mean, you could see Morelos going over to him, you know, sort of consoling Ryan Jack. I think every single person on that pitch and every single person in that stadium just assumed that it's Willie Collum. He was dying to level it up. I was stunned when he came away from from the VAR um, monitor and and dismissed dismissed them um, dismissed it despite he'd been asked to go over. What was your thoughts on the incident? Ian? First of all, I think it's a bit daft from Jack. To be honest, I don't. He's clearly just trying to do someone back. I think which you put the man up, you get the goal up. There's really it's not as if he's in a, a dangerous spot in the pitch that if he wins it back, we get a goal or he's saving a a goal scoring chance. It's just a bit daft. Still, self-wise, it's a yellow for me, still. Like I say, it's, it's a bit, try to do somebody back, but I don't see anything too serious in it. And I think it's one of those, that if St. Johnson don't have that red card, he gets booked and there's no after-match chat about it, really. So it's, yellow's about right for me, but it was a bit, bit, bit daft from, from, from Jack to even try the tackle. Yeah, totally agree. Uh, Robert Robertson here says it was an idiotic challenge from Jack. Yeah, there's just absolutely no need to be, to be making a challenge like that. Totally agree with you that it was done out of frustration and maybe a wee bit of retribution because I think, um, uh, I, I get it, Ryan Jack is, uh, you know, we know what his injury issues are like. Um, I, I don't know if I was expecting him to be 
surprised he continued to be honest with you, given that he's we know he's had problems with his knees and stuff like that. But this one, the reason this was different from the other one for me is because it, he's it is a controlled challenge. I think he knew he was going to make it. His studs are pointing down. I think he does catch the boy a wee bit, but yeah. Would I have been surprised to have seen a red? I I don't think so, but I I, I think the fact that a, a yellow was given, um, I, I agree with that. Um, Ross, um, the the next incident I think what we will talk about um, is on fifty seven minutes. Um, Cantwell's about twenty five yards out, plays a, a really really quick ball into Morelos, and Morelos, who's sort of just on the outside of the box, flicks it into the path of of Glenn Kamara um, who makes an excellent run and, and it's a really really good finish over over the keeper to make it 2-0 to Rangers at this point Ross yeah this was a it was actually a really good goal I thought yesterday in the second half Rangers were pretty flat um, I think they knew that the game was was seen out after the 2-0 and and they were comfortable and I, I can understand this and at this stage of the, the season it's probably about just getting racking up the points especially in these home games it can be tricky sometimes when teams come and sit where with two banks of five but I thought this was a really good goal and I think it probably shows what Cantwell is going to bring us uh, I think he will bring a lot of frustration sometimes Todd Cantwell because he's going to try things um, and he's going to lose possession but you do need players in your team like that and he picks his head up and I think any other midfielder there, maybe out with Kent and Tillman, probably go square and probably try to move the ball to the other side. But he's decided to just play the ball through the lines. And actually, I thought I think we'll touch on it later. I don't think Morelos had a great game yesterday all round, but I thought the flick was really good. Intelligent run from Glenn Kamara. And once he gets into that position, it's actually a really composed finish. I think we've seen this from Glenn Kamara before. Once he gets in these positions, he, he can finish. He just doesn't seem to be willing to shoot enough. Uh, so really encouraging to see from us, of course, from Todd Cantwell and his debut to, to kind of play decisive passes like that. It's, it's really encouraging. And Glenn Kamara actually making these runs. I think Michael Beale touched upon it in his press conference that, you know, Glenn Kamara's getting the messages that he's trying yeah. to get across them, that he wants he wants more. He thinks there's more to come from him. And I think as Rangers fans, we all agree with that. We can all see how good a, a technical footballer Glenn Kamara is, but he just doesn't seem to affect both boxes enough. He doesn't seem to be one player that's going to, you know, win challenges for you, clear balls. And he also doesn't seem to be someone that's willing to break into the box or take shots enough. So if he can try and cover at least one of those boxes and be more decisive, then I think we've got a much better player in there. So yeah, all round, really, really good goal actually, Kyle. And I think some of the goals we have scored under Michael Beale now have been pretty good, pretty top yeah. level actually. I don't know if all round play has been great in these games, but I think some of the goals we've scored, individual goals have been and been really good. So you're starting to see that kind of uh, print on the team from Michael Beale coming to fruition. So yeah, really encouraging. And of course, I'm a big Glen Kamara fan, so I was absolutely buzzing to see that goal. Yeah, no, as I said, I think a lot of the viewers and, and listeners know that we sit quite close, relative, we're sat one sort of section apart from each other in the club deck, and Craig and I could definitely hear you screaming when that goal went in, so um, yeah, that, that's how we knew it was a Glenn Kamara goal. Um, right, Ian, I'll come to you um, for the sort of next action point of, of the second half. I, I think you touched on this um yesterday Ross that it was a bit boring from from here on in not really much happened there wasn't a lot of talking points um but there was a 
a, a raft of changes. In 62 minutes, um, Sakala comes on for Cantwell. And in 72 minutes, there's there's the triple substitution, which Bill absolutely loves. Um, we've got Cholak, Wright and Hadji um, come on for Morelos, Tillman and Kent. Number one, how did you feel that, that, that Yanis Hadji did? And, and number two, it's just it's really good just seeing him back on a pitch um, and, and, and getting applauded. And just to go into a comment that I've just seen coming in, Kariman Jart, yes, I will be briefly covering the transfers later on. So get your questions in. Yeah, Hadji-wise, I think he's massive for us. Um, <clears throat> excuse me. Um, he's, a, he's a moments player, as we all know. So there's been so many games over the past year that we've we've dropped stupid points and not been able to unlock defences, especially the games at Ibrox that we've dropped points, criminal games. Hadji, I feel, would have made massive differences for those. Um, yesterday came on and he's obviously going to take quite some time to get up to speed. The horrible injury he's had. He's not kicked a ball properly for a year plus. Yeah. So I think the only for a moment that stands out is the little reverse pass he makes into Sakala, which then leads to the corner. It's just little moments like that. Just He sees pictures that probably 90% of our team don't see. Hopefully something can't well bring in time. But he's, he's massive for us, I think. As I said, the Ibrox games, you're playing against the back 11, basically. You need someone just sitting in that pocket, making a lot of smart passes, finding people in space. And he's, he's massive for us. So delighted he's back. Yeah, just it was it was just really good to, to have him back. You can see what he means to the fans and and see what he means to, to his teammates as well. He got a, he got a great reset. There's not many players that I see that, that get subbed on, and there's <laughs> I saw um Tav you know clapping him when he when he came <laughs> on. So 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 that can always be um that can always be good. Um, Ross, I, I'll come to you in the sort of well, I'll say the next point, but I just want to talk about some some individual performances and 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 really get down into. How we feel some people played. Um, the first one I want to ask about is is Todd Cantwell. Um, I f- personally, I felt that him, Kent Tillman, seemed to have the the beginnings of, of a really really good understanding between each other. At times, I was a bit unsure where each of them was playing. They just seemed to it seemed very fluid. They were they were you know on the left, the right, going through the middle at times. Um, and and ultimately, I was impressed by two things. Number one, the speed of his passing um, for a guy who's not played in a while. If that's him, uh, not match sharp, I think we've got a, a lot to look forward to. And and the second thing that impressed me quite a lot was he got he got booted quite a few times yesterday. Um, there, there was one I seem to remember in the first half that w- that was off the ball that I thought was was quite late, but he just shrugged it off it and got back up. It's very early signs, but it seems quite positive for Cantwell. Yeah, in terms of the being kicked around and things, I think he'll know he'll have a bit of a target in his back coming up here. You know, the the price tag that he had at one point down in England. These guys are going to have seen what he's done in the Premier League. They're going to want to make an impact when he comes up here and maybe potentially show him that he he isn't that level that he thinks he is. So I'm not surprised that that teams are going to be hard on him. But I think he reacted well to it. Uh, He didn't react to anything. And I think, to be honest, he's just more interested in getting game time and getting up to speed. Overall, I agree with you a lot that the kind of Kent, Malik Tillman, Todd Cantwell, they, they suit how Michael Beale wants that kind of front three or front four to play. It's very fluid. Everyone can play really at all positions across that three. So I thought that was really encouraging. I thought a lot of the time from, from Cantwell and, and Tillman, especially on the right-hand side, the link-up play was really good with Tavernier. And I actually thought James Tavernier had a really good game yesterday, kind of breaking beyond getting crosses in and things. And I think that came from 
having guys next to him that that could really open up space for him to to gallop into. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I, I was really impressed with, with Todd Cantwell. I thought what was really encouraging the first five minutes was he was dropping in to get touches of the ball. Like it didn't look like someone that was you know overawed by the occasion of playing at Ibrox. He just wanted to get a feel for the ball, get used to the environment knock the ball around and I think that is that is really encouraging to see when a player has just come through the door you know I'd imagine there must have been a wee bit of nerves there for him yesterday that's only natural so I was really impressed with Todd Cantwell I think we're going to see a lot more from him when he's match fit because once he hit the 60 minute mark yesterday he was knackered you could see it He, he couldn't he couldn't cover the ground anymore I'm not surprised that he made the sub for Todd Cantwell before anyone else because he was shattered because he was actually pressing really well off the ball as well. He was doing a lot of work and that's what we want to see. I think he got asked in the press conference, you know, you've not been known for that kind of, that work rate off the ball. Uh, you know, we've seen it a lot today and he said, I don't really know why I've been labelled that way, that I don't work yeah. hard because I, I've always done things off the ball. I'm not really just a flair player, so... Yeah, Gail, really encouraged. I think it's a great signing by the club. I think it's worth the the fee that we've put in now to get him because I mm-hmm. think if you don't guarantee a move like that for Todd Cantwell, and it's probably similar to my thoughts in Nicholas Raskin, which I'm sure we'll touch on later in the podcast, there's always a risk when these guys get to the end of their contract and they're based in England that clubs down there will take a risk on them and they'll offer them mega money to stay down there. So I think Rangers have been really proactive there. They've paid a fee to get him up the road, and and let's hope we see the best of Todd Cantwell going forward. That's it, exactly. It, it, it was I was very impressed with him yesterday. Um, and as go back to the earlier comment that Curry Muncher said, um, yes, uh, I I think hopefully we are working on a this is Ibrooks Ross uh, Cantwell range. So so stay tuned for for that one, guys. Um, seeing as he is as our as our poster boy. Um, Ian, for for this this pod on the Sunday, we, we've decided to go with with Cantwell because I, I felt that he played well. Um, h- how did you feel that he fitted into that that squad yesterday? And and can you see you know the the beginnings of of quite a, a good few partnerships? I, I felt that like the the understanding between him and, and Ryan Kent and him and Tillman was uh, was very very was very good uh, yesterday. What's your thoughts on this? Yeah, when I seen the lineup, part of my thinking was. Does this mean Tillman's like right midfield? But I'm not a big fan of him. I know we sort of we do play kind of fluid and the right winger tucks in and stuff like that. But I think the start of the season when when Tillman got moved out there, he was wasted a little bit. So to see them sort of moving fluidly between each other was was ideal. I think my favourite little moment from Cantwell Butt is when he makes as he makes, but when he's part of that second goal because if you watch, he tries to run beyond the play, notices that Kamara's there already, Morelos isn't far off. Um, and just sort of brings himself back to receive the ball to then make the pass. So he's obviously got that. We know he's going to have that intelligence. He's not once labelled a forty million pound player for no reason, but to see it so evidently and his first start, he sees it, two crowd in there, drops off to then make the sort of pre-assist or assist the assist or however they're, they're labelling that these days. Mm-hmm. Um, so I was I was happy with him. I mean, we point from his, his press conference was saying how this team have all played with each other for years. I mean, how many games have Kent, Kamara, Morelos, Jack played together? So it's going to take him a lot of time. He's had three training sessions. So it's going to take him a bit of time to get up to speed with who he's played with and for a debut. And that was fine for me. Yeah, he was. I, I totally agree with exactly what you've said there. He, he was. He was good. And, and you could see some of that that promise that, that sort of made him a, 
a forty million pound player. If he can, if he can rediscover a, a, a fraction of that form, then um, yeah, I think we'll be on to a winner there. Um, you know, I'll stick with you on, on the next player that I'd like to discuss. We we've maybe touched on a wee bit earlier on, and, and I know Ross covered a wee bit on it yesterday uh, on yesterday's pod, I should say. Um, but it was Alfredo Morelos. Um, I'm just going to chuck it out there and just say that I I I don't know what it was yesterday, but something in me. I was like, if this guy's want a new deal, this is the type of games that he, he's not easy for him, but it's easier than facing a Hearts or, or, or a Hibs. Or, or, yeah. I was going to say an Aberdeen, but maybe not them at the moment. Um, but mm-hmm. uh, just some of the chances I felt he should have scored. There was that really, really, really good ball in the first half that, that Kamara played through, um, and it was him one-on-one with, with Remy Matthews, who will maybe come to a wee bit later on in, um, in the podcast. But... Yeah, just what was your thoughts on, on Morelos yesterday? Great for the goal, but other than that, was was kind of posted missing for, for 70 minutes of that game for me, Ian. Yeah, largely the same. Just frustrating. I mean, the, the, I think the first chance of the game is when Tillman wins the ball back, plays him through. It's not it's not a setter by any means, but he just sort of passes it to the goalie. Like, that's, that's his bread and butter from when he was scoring, like, 15 or so plus a season. But then when you think about it for us, he's never really been... A, 20 plus a goal season and for Rangers the amount of chances that you get up front especially in, in those games as you talk about if, if you can hand pick a game to have at Ibrox right now it's probably St Johnson like we should be winning that kind of game 3, 4, 5 upwards and your striker should be scoring that that's, that should be where they, they start getting their numbers banked um, as you say he does really well for that second goal it's a lovely way assist but he should be doing that two, three, four times a game, especially when he's got so much movement around him. Like we, we touched on before, Kent doesn't stay in the same place for more than 10 seconds. Tillman's a very intelligent player. Can't well just a £40 million player at some point. Um, there's so much quality around him that he should be the one linking it all and then getting chances for himself. And It just didn't, didn't quite hit it yesterday for me. And it's, it's not the first time this season. Yeah, just I'm not sure. I'm not sure if he's still carrying a wee niggle or, or, or something like that. But as I said, like that that was the first time at Ibrox that, that I'd heard that amount of, um, what's the word I'm looking for, sort of uh, negativity to, towards a, a Morelos performance. Um, look, Ross, I'll, I'll come to you um, for the for the next point here. Um, it's in terms of a, a player that I wish to discuss and everybody let us know in, in the comments what, what you think um, was was Malik Tillman I know you were were, uh, were waxing lyrical uh, a bit about him on yesterday's podcast and I was I was very pleased to, to hear that I know you and I don't often agree on the same things but I thought Malik Tillman at times was, was outstanding yesterday especially the first sort of I don't know, 20 minutes of the game. He had so many balls that just cut between between the lines. Um, and he also had, um, you know, a couple of shots. But again, for me, his work rate off the ball in terms of some of the, the possession he was winning back, I was really, really, really pleased with, with his performance. And, and he's coming on to a right good game now under, under Bill. Yeah, I think it takes a lot for me to to put any player above Glenn Kamara when there's the possibility of making him man of the match. So it shows you how highly I thought of of Malik Tillman yesterday. I thought I thought what was really good about Malik Tillman yesterday was his off the ball actually wasn't on the ball. The the amount of times he won possession high was was really really good, and that's really important in games like this because when teams are out of their shape. Uh, and, and they're trying to play a wee bit of football, if you can win the ball off them quick and you can break from it, there's a real opportunity to score goals. And it's actually what Ian referred to there, the first chance Morelos has. It comes from Malik Tillman. 
intercepting the ball, uh, analysing how St Johnson are going to try and play out, and and we nearly we nearly get something from it. So I'm really impressed with Malik Thielman. I think I was very critical on this podcast a couple of months ago talking about. I think we were I think we were referring to maybe the fee involved and whether I thought he was worth it at the time. And I think I said back then I wouldn't I wouldn't pay five million for him because I could see the technical ability there, but I just wasn't sure if he had the game understanding yet mm-hmm. for us to spend a fee of that size. Because let's be honest, that's big money for us these days, unfortunately. Mm-hmm. We just have to accept that. So I wasn't very convinced by it. I've actually changed completely now. You know, I would be paying the five million because I've definitely seen a real change in Malik Thielman in the last couple of months. Maybe it comes from a new manager and a bit of a bounce and, and playing in a team where we bit more freedom now because we all know that Van Bronckhorst's Rangers side was quite rigid. But it's just his, his technical ability. I actually think physically he's really good as well. He's not really struggled with the league at all. I've just been so impressed with him uh, these last few games and that that five million has to be triggered by Rangers. We we need to keep this guy. I know that the whole buy clause, the buyback clause for Bayern Munich's there. Listen, if it's twenty twenty five plus million, it's worth it for us. We can still make a profit and still have a great player playing here for years. And at the end of the day, we need a team that's going to win us things. That's what it's all about. And Malik Thielman can be a big part of that. So I totally agree with you, Kel. Yesterday, I thought he was. I thought he was great, really good. And I think maybe Todd Campwell being there and taking a wee bit of the creative uh, kind of pressure off him helped. Yeah. And yeah, all round, I just thought he was, yeah, he was fantastic yesterday, Malik Tillman. Yeah, there's a wee comment in here from Darren Nock. I believe that's how you would say that. Tillman played very well. Bill has improved him big time. He just needs to stop holding on to the ball a bit long when he's got a few players around him. Again, can I, I just... Honestly- can I just jump in on that, Kel? Because that, that's exactly, Darren's made a fantastic yeah. point there because that is exactly what I was saying two months ago about Malik Tillman. I felt he didn't have the kind of understanding yet of when to move the ball quickly and when to hold the ball. So there was times maybe when we were under pressure and we're trying to play out quickly and, and he's trying to hold players off and spin players and, and, and we were getting the ball nicked off us and he was making fouls and getting bookings. And then there were some times we'd maybe be breaking high up the park and he would hold onto the ball and, and they'd have maybe Tav running over him and things. There was just these wee things that I thought he's going to have to tweak that pretty quick because that's what's going to take him to the next level. Mm-hmm. Um, and I agree with Darren, there's maybe still elements of that in his game, but I think he's improved a lot on that the last couple of months. And, and I reckon it's probably Michael Beale sitting him down and saying, here's where you need to improve. Yeah. And and here's everything we need to do. We know that Michael Beale is, he classes himself as a development coach. And he's obviously looking at all of these players of how can I make them better? So no doubt that he sat down Malik Tillman and said, here's what you've been doing right. Here's what you've been doing wrong. And, and this is how we can fix it. So yeah, great point by Darren. I totally agree. Yeah, yeah. There's, I can't really add anything else to that because, yeah, that's why I brought the comment up in the first place because it, it was a very, very good comment. Um, Ian, look, I, I think there's one one last player that, that I'd like to, to touch on, but before we go, it was a sub. Um, he came on for, for Ryan Jacket in, in that second half. I know that we chucked up a wee question on our Twitter um, earlier on, uh, and it was, what has happened to John Lundstrom this season? You know, got got a lot of reaction on it. Go and give us a wee like uh, on Twitter if you haven't already done so. So loads of great content on there. Um, but yeah, 
it generated, as I said, a, a lot of discussion. Um, you know, some people suggesting maybe it's down to the fact he's had a baby, he's not getting enough sleep. Some people saying that that you know he's, he's still perhaps carrying a knock, and, and and other people saying that he's just not suited to this style of 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 play quite yet. Which which I find astonishing, given that he was a a real box to box midfielder for for Sheffield um, uh, United. Was it Wednesday or United? United wasn't it? He played for United, yeah. Yeah, the, the, is that the same ones that have just been <laughs> pumped out, out the FA Cup by? No, by they, 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 they equalised. They oh, equalised in the last second. They did, oh, you're yeah. joking me! Ah, oh, well, uh, a good good one for the documentary for Ryan Reynolds, anyway. Um, <laughs> but but yeah, just what 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 do you what do you think about John Lundstrom here? And and I mean, he he, he had he was terrible the first six months. And then he had such a good improvement in that run before Seville. And then he just seems to have just sort of gone down a level again. Yeah, I've, I've always liked Lundstrom in terms of since that Europa run. Uh, run he's, he was obviously massive for us during that. But if I see him that dilly on the ball and get dispossessed by a guy coming for here once more, I'm going to lose it. Because every game, it's, it's just there's no awareness with him. And for a central midfielder, you need to be like sort of scanning constantly. You need to know what's around you, and he just doesn't seem to have that in him. Like obviously, when he first joined, he came from Sheffield United, as you said, hardly a possession-based team. So that was going to take some time to, to adjust to that. But he's just at this point, it's just not happening for him. Like you say, we know he was taking injections for an injury, and and whether that had an effect, but maybe still carrying some kind of knock, very possible. But he's just not doing it for me. I think another part of it is the fact that. He knows he can put in maybe a 5 out of 10, 6 out of 10, and he's still going to play most weeks. Obviously, he didn't do yesterday, but there's not much competition. Jack can't play three games in a week. So, for our usual schedule, Lundstrom is playing week in, week out, whether he's out of form or not. So, hopefully, now it's a big if we bring in another central midfielder now in the next two days. But if we bring one in, I think that sort of keeps him on the bench until he changes someone's opinion. So, it's going to be a good thing for the squad, uh, taking them out of fire lane a little bit, and hopefully he boosts himself up on the back of that. Yeah, 100%. Um, it, it is interesting. That I, I really, really rate Lundstrom as a, as a player. I just I thought at times he was he was so key in Europe, um, was a real motivator. I, I remember that semi-final against uh, the other half of the city where he was, you know, Bassey was, it was you know, trying to pick a, a Celtic player up, and he... he Barked at him not not to do that. I'm, I just feel like he's missing a bit of his drive, a bit of his desire at times, which I think, as his fans, is, we must we totally struggle to to understand where that comes from. Because I think if you were playing, you would know, you would give everything. But yeah, he's just lost a wee bit of something, and 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 I hope it. It changes as, as you said, Irene, with with the addition of well, I think that was the first game in a long long time he's been he's been left on the bench, and I think if we bring in some players. Um, he could very well find himself on that bench. Um, Ross, I'll, I'll come to you on, on to the next point here, and it's regarding uh, the post-match uh, press conference with uh, Michael Beale. Um, I'll fling up Curry Muncher's question. It says, Kyle, what's yours and the lad thoughts on Beale's demeanour this week regarding the transfers? Three weeks, we are getting two or three players to, can't, uh, to Cantwell uh, would be sufficient. As Ross Wilson <laughs> effed up with the, with the Raskin deals, um, what what do you sort of 
think about that that question, Ross, and 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 I don't know. I've I've written down a couple of quotes here because it was something I was planning and discussing. Uh, Ross uh, Ross Wilson, not Ross Wilson. Uh, Michael Beale said, "There's one or two names in the media you've all ran away with and knows a little bit because you're getting snippets from the other club. There's more wrong in those bits." Um, and he said, there's one or two other players we're talking to as well. I'd like us to add a midfielder that's powerful and can run another centre-half, looking at the goalie situation this summer and looking for a number, another number nine. Um, what do you think about, A, all those players that he said <laughs> we're, we're now looking to bring in, and, and B, do, do you think there's something in what Curry Muncher said with, with, with Beal in his press conference? And I sense he was a bit frustrated about the transfers yesterday. Yeah, there probably is a wee bit of frustration that... <laughs> What I would say that kind of first interview he gave about players after I think it was after Dundee United and he and he's waxing lyrical about Tom Davies and and Todd Cantwell that night and saying he wanted two and three and I think he'll learn from that. I don't think he'll be as public anymore. I think that was a wee bit of excitement first transfer window at Rangers. He's obviously looking to put a stamp in the team, and I think he'll learn from that. I do agree. He does look a wee bit frustrated in the last couple of days. I'm not really sure why he's so public about things, though. He doesn't yeah. really need to give the media as much as he is. I'm not really sure what his angle is there. Um, it comes across to me that Michael Beal is on social media quite a lot and looking at all of these things on, on Twitter and, and all the rumours because he seems yeah. to know everything that the fans are talking about. Now, I don't know how healthy that is, and, and if he can manage that, then that's fine. I don't know if I, if I was in his position, I'd be looking at, at social media about, about Rangers. I don't think I would be able to take that, but it's a bit of a strange one, especially because he was. you could feel the frustration around the Morgan Whitaker move last week when Russell mm. Martin came out and publicly declared that, that Swansea had rejected a bid, and you could feel it after Michael Beale going, oh, I didn't. You know, I didn't know we bid. Uh, I, I'm not sure why he said that. So he was clearly a bit miffed by that comment in, in public. And I think it is a bit of an unwritten rule between clubs that you don't talk about it. You know, yeah. you don't talk about negotiations. You let it all go in the background and you only kind of announce things once it's been signed off. So, yeah, I probably sense a wee bit of frustration there that he's not been able to get these guys in yet. But I think he has to be patient. And I think as fans, we do need to be patient if we get... Dude, I think it's Tuesday night. You know, if we get to Tuesday night and, and Nicholas Raskin and Morgan Whitaker sign those contracts or maybe other players come to the table because that usually happens on, on transfer deadlines or leading up to transfer deadlines, we'll be happy about it. Uh, I think we just... The, Ross Wilson takes a lot of stick, understandably sometimes, but mm -hmm. he's got to try and make a deal, the best deal for the club. You know, Standard Liège are, are asking for €2 million Euros, uh, for Nicholas Raskin and they want a big sell-on clause. Ross Wilson's well within his right to to hold that and and wait till it gets to the end of the transfer window because standard it's up to standard edge to make that sale. They don't want to have a player sitting in the reserves that they're paying off and they're going to lose for free. So listen, it's just it's just football transfers. Everyone's at it. Everyone's lowballing each other. Everyone's trying to get the best deal for their club, and we're just doing exactly the same as everyone else. So yeah, there's probably a wee bit of frustration for Michael Beale, but I think we and himself probably need to be a wee bit more patient and and then once the transfer window closes and maybe we don't bring people in then that's fine for the frustration of the fans and maybe Michael Beale himself he maybe won't be as as happy as he's made out about the squad that he is right now you'll maybe have a wee bit of frustration you'll maybe feel that in press conferences but I think right now I'm I'm okay about the situation so I'm sure Michael Beale will be in eventually yeah I, I, yeah I, I agree 
with what you've said there, but it's just it's a dangerous game if you're sitting, you know, smiling and and being as open and and honest as what is what you are being with, with stuff like this. If you are being quoted as saying looking to bring one, two, three, four in, and you bring one in, it's not it's not great. And it, and as Curry Muncher related to just Rangers fans are 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 never ever ever going to be patient with with stuff like this, Ian. I'll come to you with a with a very similar question. What what do you think about Beal and, and how open he's being with um with transfers? And and another thing as well, it, it was interesting. I, I'm assuming he's talking about the Whitaker and the Raskin deals. Um when he said this in his presser yesterday, he said he said uh, those prices are, are way, way out, um, way higher as well, uh, on one and way lower on the other. Um you know, if if we're to be believed, what's what's been reported in the press, um, we're hearing it's it could be anywhere from between one to two point five million for Raskin. Uh, understanding that the sort of uh, snagging point of standard Liège is, is the is the sell on clause, and and also we had Fabrizio Romano. Uh, I think it was on Friday. I mean, we know we know that guy's track record's like, but with transfer, he's he's right. What ninety five percent of the time and stuff. And he said that we've had a, a, a there was a two million pound bid for for Whitaker going into Swansea again. Um, what do you think about again Beal and his, his openness with transfers, and, and what do you think about his comments per, pertaining to these two players? It just got very messy the last couple of weeks for me. Um, I think a big part of it, like as Ross says, I think Beal's very in touch with like fan opinion and what fans want. Which is obviously a good thing, I think, because we were all a bit, a bit bored of Gio's press conferences and how he never gave us anything on transfers, injuries, insider stuff, nothing like that. Whereas Bale says, oh, this player's out two, three weeks, this guy's out a month, kind of thing. But I, I, like you guys, I don't think there's a need to do it transfer-wise. So as you say, if, if we now bring in one player, when we've mentioned two, three, maybe four, it just yeah. doesn't look good for him. It builds this, this tension against Ross Wilson, which is the last thing that guy needs, considering he's, he's not got many fans as things stand. Um, and yeah, the, the whole one one bid lower, one bid higher, I just don't see where the benefit is to us, to the player, to the other clubs, because mm-hmm. he can't have a go at Russell Martin, indirectly or not, for making comments, and then make the same kind of comment. Like just, it's yeah. a little bit childish, a little bit needless. I, and as I say, I just don't see the point just if if a club tells us how much they want we pay it we negotiate a little bit that's fair enough the Raskin one's a little different because it could be free in what five months time so I can see why we're hardballing that not really got a big problem with that to be honest um but the Whitaker one just seems very very messy at this point to me yeah to- totally agree there it is getting a wee bit um messy given that there's only two ga- days to go uh, there's a couple of comments i just want to bring up here one from cute kanji if you believe in a player he's going to be the mainstay for the next three or four years uh you just pay to get him and normally good players have more than one club after them red flags when unwilling to pay out and given that the the, the length of time that we've been um linked with Raskin as well. I mean, it's been a long, long, long time. Um, and another good comment here from, from Chris Smith. He says, we paid three million for Matondo without much fuss. Raskin is the key piece uh, of the midfield rebuild. Penny pinching on Raskin is really not smart. I tend to agree with Chris there. Um, Ross, I'm just going to stick with you in, in this next question. Do you think that that we should go out and spend two or three million pounds on Raskin? I think it was Shona McLean somewhere in the comments said that 
with a 30% sell-on clause, 2 million, uh, say, you know, I, I say we sold them for 10 million or something like that. That's roughly about 5 million quid out of our pocket for, for a player that's that's got six months left in his deal. But it was it was really, really, you know, having read Kai's articles, listened to everybody on this, you know, all the other Rangers content that you can get out there um, talking about Raskin. Uh, and the fact that Bill specifically said, um, I would like us to add a midfield, midfielder that's powerful and can run um, the, the 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 Belgian journalist, I can't remember his name off the top of my head that was on the Rangers review, he basically said that that's, you know, Raskin's profile Kai said that as well, so do you think that it would be silly for us not to go out in the next couple of days and, and splash a bit of cash and just really push the boat out to get Nicholas Raskin in? I think there's a bit of a balance I, I think I read that the, the fee that Standard Liège were looking for was around 2 million euros and they were looking for some sort of sell-on percentage. And I think I read that Rangers had maybe offered about 500k. So for most transfer negotiations, I believe that's really how it works. You know, the club makes their stand and the, the buying club are going to lowball and they're going to try and get it down as much as possible. I would imagine that the clubs will come to an agreement around £1 million, I would imagine, slightly more in euros. And we might just have to accept that Standard Leisure are going to put some sort of sell-on clause in there. It might be low, um, it might be 5-10%, but I think that's just part of any transfer negotiations these days. And I think it would be something that we would want Rangers to do on any players that they were selling and, and any players that had potential. You know, imagine, for example, hypothetically, Alex Lowry runs his contract down to six months. Someone from the Premier League wants to come and pick him up we would probably look to get a sell-on clause in there because we'd want to make something off it if the boy reaches the potential. So I understand the frustration from Rangers fans. I'm as frustrated as anyone that we can't see this get this guy over the line already because it seems to have been lingering for so long. And what's quite interesting is, if you remember a couple of years ago, we didn't hear anything about transfers. If you remember, we went through a period of not hearing a peep uh, you know, I can think of like Kmar Roof and uh, Cedric Keaton. When they were signed, everyone had no idea. There was nothing. Now, how do we know that there wasn't negotiations going on for two, three, four weeks before that? We don't. We could have been haggling over a fee at that point. I think what puts pressure on the club is it's very public, these negotiations, and it's obviously Belgian sources that are releasing this information. It's not coming from, yeah. from Scottish sources. It's, the, it's Belgian sources. It's Raskin's camp that are releasing this. They obviously are trying to push this through. They're trying to put pressure on both clubs to get a deal done. So... In terms of the, the overall question, do I want Rangers to go, just go and splash the cast? No, I don't. I don't want them to just go splash the cast. I want them to make sure that the deal's right for us. You don't want them to just go and pay two or three million and put a big sell-on clause. And then it was a sold potentially two or three years, two or three years down the line. We're going to lose out on all that money because we'll, we'll all complain about it. Why did we put that in the deal? So I just want the club to get the best deal for the club. That's what I want. Um, and I understand the frustration around it. And, and I'll be f- frustrated as anyone if they don't get it over the line. Um, a hundred percent will be. But I said, I want Ross Wilson to do the best for the club, get the best deal. So I'm not in the camp of just go and give Standard Liège whatever they want. Um, yeah. Let's less get to the table. Let's find a deal that suits all parties. That's that's the way I look at it. Yeah, I, I'm in total agreement with you there. It's... Um... Oh, I say that as a difficult one because I, I, for me, I think I think Stanley Lejo will hold firm and be really difficult to to, to budge on this because just because of the length of time that it's, it's dragged on for. Um, 
But uh, then again, I'd, I'd be really, really reluctant. I said, I kind of think the same as Sean McLean, and I've been on here in previous pods saying that I think it would be not a stupid business to, 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 to agree to a sell-on clause when if, if, if the rumours are to be believed, if he's already signed his pre-contract and stuff like that, if we are, you know, again, as a big hypothetical guaranteed to get him in the summer, I, I just don't see why, why we would include a, include a sell-on um, clause in there. Lukeen, um I'll come to you in the next question uh, here. I, I chucked a wee, a wee comment up here. I said, um, Bill mentioned a keeper in the summer. Um, what do you guys think of, of Remy Matthews uh, as an option? And I'm not talking about necessarily first choice. It, it's very, very, very rare that I, that I talk about opposition players um, unless they're involved in an incident um, on this podcast. But that's two games back to back. I felt that Remy Matthews had some some really, really good saves. And, and given again that, that Bill mentioned uh, or has mentioned a couple of times in his pressers that we, we are looking at a goalkeeper in the summer. Do you think Remy Matthews could be a, a realistic option for, for, for Rangers, uh, Ian? Yes, but probably not as the number one, as that comment basically said there. <clears throat> so I can see is McGregor's gone. I think we all know that in the summer he's, he's finished. McLaughlin, I, I don't. I wouldn't be too bothered if he left. I don't see many fans that would be overly upset at that. So I would imagine we're bringing in two. Remy Matthews-wise, I've not seen enough of him on the ball. Because he plays Scott Johnson, he's not going to have a lot of playing out from the back and things like that. And I think that's where we need to focus our attention on for a goalie going forward. It's, just, it's the mm. modern way of, of, of big teams, isn't it? Guys like Ederson, Allison. It's, it's how they start attacks, it's how they calm things down. It, it's just, in my opinion, how we should be going. So if it's a case of bringing them in, I mean, I'm not sure it's contract situation, but can't imagine it would cost too much if it was a, was a signing as such. As a number two, I'd be all for it. As you say, he was great yesterday, weekend before that save from Tillman um, up in Perth. That was ridiculous. Save. There was no no right to save that. But yeah. a few good games against us in in terms of other goalies in this league. You're looking at maybe Xander Clark, but again, he would probably cost a bit more than I would imagine Matthews would, especially with, with Gordon's injury now. So as a backup, yeah, I'd be absolutely fine with it. Yeah, I said Craig Andrews here. I, I didn't actually realise this. Um, he said that he's a, a Crystal Palace player on loan, so can only imagine what he'd want. So maybe that's instantly been uh, <laughs> in kiboshed in, in terms of that. But yeah, I agree with you. I think we'd need to see his distribution um, a wee bit more because he seemed to be playing it out straight from, from the back, which is obviously the way Calum Davison wants to play. But in terms of a, of a shot stopper, I think I'm yet to see better facing us in, in the league this, this season. Um, to be honest, um, Ross, I'll come on to the, the the sort of last couple of points um, before we sort of wrap up the podcast because we're nearing nearing the hour mark here. Um, we're just going to step away from from the football inside of things um, uh, and talk about just a couple of things. Um, talk about the <laughs> the collection between Rangers and ACDC that was was announced on Friday. You know, I'm a big music fan of ACDC, but um, like a lot of Rangers supporters. Uh, I was a bit miffed by this, given that you know maybe though I was expecting maybe a concert announcement at Ibrox, which would be absolutely phenomenal. But there was just nothing about that. Um, is this just something that we've got to accept as, as part of modern football? Because um, I've seen you know Man City did something with Oasis. I've seen that West Ham did did a col- a collaboration with with Iron Maiden. Um, 
Um, I think I seen. I'm sure I saw Man United gear that was celebrating the the Chinese New Year as well. Um, or is this just like an obvious sort of of cash grab from from the club? Where, where do you sit on something like this, Ross? Yeah, I think it's a bit of a cash grab. I think it's because James Bisgrove written all over it, isn't it? That 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 is his job to to try and make as much money for the club as possible commercially. So I can understand that approach. I think where the the frustration comes for fans is when these things are released. You know, I, I wouldn't say that right at the end of a transfer window when there's a growing frustration amongst the fans regarding those transfers is the time to release a collaboration with ACDC. You know, it's just it, it just read the room. I think I've seen plenty of comments saying read the room. It's not really what people are looking for right now. I tend not to get too bothered by these things. I try not to. I get too frustrated and angry about loads of things to do with Rangers. So I try and not get too invested in this. It's not something that I will purchase, so I'm not really bothered about it. But I think you were saying before this podcast started that a lot of it is already sold out. So a lot of people must be enjoying things like this and they they must be lapping up for some reason. So listen, the club are just going to do what they think is going to make them money. It's just James Bisco's job, you know, and it's it comes back to to maybe the, the Champions League prices at the time. Everyone felt that 180 for certain uh, aspects of the ground was just absolutely ridiculous, but they sold out the ground for every game. So the club are going to do it, unfortunately. It's just, it's hard to accept as a as a fan because you start to feel like a bit of a, a customer. Uh, yeah. But... It's just one of those things that I kind of just accept now as part of modern football. And I think you were right to bring up other clubs that have done kind of collaborations like this. It's just it's just part of it now. It's just something we need to just accept. And if and if it's for you, that's fine. Go and buy the merchandise. And if it's not, I wouldn't worry about it too much. To be honest, I would just try and focus on the football, I think. <laughs> Yeah, no, no, that's that's it exactly. You know, I I do agree with everybody. You know, I, I see Robert Robertson there making a comment about the the, the Angus and, and Malcolm Young were both uh, Ranger supporters. I think there's that famous image that's that's been doing. I think it's Malcolm or not. Will be it be Angus Young on the stage with his '94 uh, Rangers strip on? But yeah, it's just it's just the timing of the whole thing, and it was just something that nobody had asked for. But uh, we are taking bets on who's going to be the first. This is Ibrooks podcaster to be wearing the. Mm-hmm. The ACDC uh, Rangers clubber and my money is on Shug at the moment. Um, let us know who who you think it's going to be in the comments. Um, Ian, look, it's just the the, the last um, the last point um, of of the podcast uh, here is New Edmondson House um, had opened. Um, I don't know if you've had a chance to to, to see it yet. I personally, I've not been in. Craig and I were running a wee bit late for for the game yesterday, so um, we didn't we didn't get to go and see it. But we've seen the pictures. You know, we're speaking to people around about us that had been in. Um, I'm not going to lie. I I thought this was when I saw the announcement on Friday. I was like, this is going to be a a bit of a disaster here um, because it just didn't look finished the last time we saw it. But it was met with a with a really really good reception. People were saying that there was lots of merchandise. Um, on offer uh, stuff that they've been looking for um, and I, I was told that uh, a pint or, or, or a coffee was was quite reasonably priced and, and they had a really good event pre-match uh, I think they had some of the women's team on talking about their um, game with Glasgow City today and I know uh, Big Phil was <laughs> was in there um, giving a wee uh, uh, some, uh, I don't know, just interviewing a player before the game. What's, what's your thoughts on, on Yeats and House? 
Exactly, with you, to be honest. Um, when I saw it on the Friday, it was it was open. I thought, it's just going to be a bit of a, a botched job. Maybe one room of it is open kind of thing. Um, but from afar, same idea, I've not been inside. So from afar, looks looks the part, looks good. Mm-hmm. Um, the big takeaway that when we went down to Liverpool, oh, thousands of us, a massive part of it for me was walking around the stadium and seeing a museum, club shop, just different things to do like on match day. Because um, I've got a wee boy, so when I take him to the games, He's only six, so it's very constant not getting him bored before the game's even started. So yeah. the fact there's so little to do for like kids and families around the stadium, it's just it's a money making opportunity, if nothing else. You know, having a wee extra half hour in that shop, as you say, there's just merchandise to buy, there'll be uh, God knows how many little key rings and posters and whatnot you can get. As you say, the prices pretty much in line with Glasgow prices. I saw a few people annoyed at the prices. I couldn't really get my head around that to be honest. It's if people have been in a night out in the city centre, that's what you're paying. So I, I thought they were all right. Um, and yeah, as I say, the facility itself, it looks the part. And seeing a few vlogs and people going through it, it's, it's very much impressed me. And as you say, I was quite surprised how good it looked. Yeah, no, that that's that exactly. It's just something um, I thought we'd touch on before we finish up um, because because it, it it looked it, it looked good. Um, but yeah, as I said, I'm I'm not actually too sure on the prices. I said I just heard the people round about us saying that it was it, it was reasonable. Um, so yeah, and ho- hopefully it's something that that we'll get to experience soon on a match day. But in terms of today for the pod, uh, that's about us. A few wee bits of housekeeping to do. Um, number one, we are very very close to the to the five k on on YouTube in terms of likes. So just remember to give us a like and subscribe on that because every little helps. Um, I should mention that as well as it being Peter Lovencrantz and George Alberts's birthday. Uh, if I called Tommy the uh, Mr. Burns of the podcast, I'm going to call Scott the Smithers. I'll await uh, his response to that later on. But happy birthday today, Scott. I hope you've had a really good day. Um, and just would left to say, um, we will next be on, I think Craig's doing one tomorrow. Uh, are you doing a transfer podcast at all, Ross, on Tuesday or anything like that? Or are you going to wait and see your... I think we could be. It depends on whether these deals look close to being completed or not. I suppose if it's a if it's a bit of a transfer podcast about one player, I'm not sure how well that will go down. <laughs> I'm not sure how much content will be available for everyone. But listen, if these uh, deals start to speed up in the next few days, and it looks like maybe Morgan Whitaker and Nicholas Rassing go over the line, then yeah, I'm sure I'll I'll be here on uh, Tuesday live doing some transfer reaction. Yeah, no, that's it. So, yeah, we'll see if we bring somebody in. Hopefully, we'll, hopefully we will be getting you to do it. For once, I want you to do a pod, Ross, so there you go. Um, I just want to say thanks to you, Ian. How, how did you find your debut tonight, Ian? Good. Yeah, I enjoyed it. Um, to say to Ross before, I think I've been part of it for a month or so now without ever being on a pod, so it's nice to finally get involved properly. Yeah, no, that's it. I would describe it as Cantwellian. There you go. Um, but just want to say thanks to everybody that uh, was viewing, uh, left a comment, uh, and we will see you all again very soon. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah.